ladies and gentlemen, it is your favorite campus uncle. Uncle Fred is definitely in the building again, and I am with my sister in pain, struggle, and victory, the Liberated Project chick. Tamara is definitely in the house. Two educators on the record. It is the return of For the Love Of. It has been, uh, it's been some time, but we've been busy. We've been busy doing some things. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we have uh, Nas and we have the beloved Nikita on the call as well. You know what I'm saying? And we are... The birthday babies. The, birth, the birthday babies. The birthday babies. Turning it up, doing all these kinds of things, traveling, like, you know... Fred, yo, like what's good? Like our mentees, our babies, they're off and they travel more than me. Big thing, yeah, listen. They travel. They travel. Big, big things popping, little things traveling. Listen, listen. <laughs> coming back to Mexico. Does is live your life at a young age before the responsibilities get a little, little bit more. That's one yeah, thing right. I okay. always told us. For sure, for sure, absolutely. Who told you that? Frederick Gilbert. <clears throat> Okay. <laughs> Just like that. Now you know you will get thrown under the yeah. bus. Yes, there's no filter with this one. Under the bus, under the bus. How's everybody doing today? How's everybody? Um, I would say that, you know, everything's been pretty good. Um, you know, the, the teacher just came back to the school building. So, you know, it's we're trying to get a sense of normalcy, you know, but you know, COVID is quote unquote almost done some people may say <laughs> but yeah but other than that you know just trying to stay safe and stay living and stay grounded you know mm, who told who told us that lie about COVID almost done no because it is straight a lie because COVID is real real for real real and, to, uh, and you know T how you doing baby <laughs> you know I'm great I'm feeling wonderful I um changed up a couple of things within my diet and, um, you know, doing more plant-based, more greens. Um, I'm really, really vegging out on a lot of spinach um, these days. So when I'm getting up, I'm doing my water and apple cider vinegar and, you know, maybe eating around 10, 30, 11 o'clock and just really, you know, doing, um, you know, just more water to, you know, take me, you know, to the next level um, for what I'm doing. I'm working out consistently four to five times a week. And then I realized, oh, I realized, yeah, <laughs> y'all realized I wasn't eating enough. So, yeah. you know, anybody that knows when you eat, you know, when you eat healthier, when you eat green, you should be eating four to six times a day, small meals. But I was only eating like two or three times a day. And I'm like getting, my stomach is growling. And my sister's like, you're not eating enough. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So I'm, you know what? I am great. I'm grateful. And um, just thankful as well, you know, for a lot of things. Um, I had to kick my scholars out of this, out of off Zoom today. <laughs> so I remember Nikita. Remember, remember when we were in literally class. I kicked my scholars out the classroom, and Nikita saw me and you. What did you do? That's like my baby's coming to. I heard you kick them out of class. I'm like, how y'all here? Not supposed to be in house, but when I kick you out, that means I love you. So I'm great. Thank you. How are you? When I kick you out, that means I love you. <laughs> when I kick you out, that means I love you. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So how are you to power your babies? Oh my goodness, Chloe can't stand her already. Yeah. I you know it, it's been tough, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> it's been tough. It's it's been tough these past two weeks, man. My uh 
my kids have been home from daycare. So. Oh, you tell them why they're home for daycare. That foolishness. Yeah, before. They're home from daycare because, you know, daycare decided to go on vacation. They went to, you know, they went to Disney World. Went to Disney, and- Nikita. And now the daycare closed down. And a panorama? And, 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 Listen, they went to Disney. Went to Disney. And they own a daycare. So who who do they think is bringing their kids back when you get back? No, you got to quarantine for two weeks, whether you want to or not. My kids are not coming. Well, apparently, like, well, apparently they didn't need a quarantine. They just need to show a negative test. No, no. I'm, you, you Carter, my kid, and the prince is not going. And I know I ain't even got to tell you because I know Sierra all over that. They're not going in the panorama. Yes. Yes. I'm I'm shocked. I'm I'm very jealous of them as even trying to provide a safe space for kids. Yeah, very very irresponsible. And then for parents that have to work, that's the thing. You know, you already have your children somewhere. They're accustomed to you feel safe. They feel safe, and then you straight say, "I'm going on vacation." Listen, but but the thing is though, not for nothing. In their defense, they told they told my wife this months ago in the calendar that they had this planned vacation. You know what I'm saying? Vacations during the pandemic. The pandemic is it's been in full effect for 360. Hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. Now let's be real, let's be fair. Because people out here planning to go to um to, to Mexico. And people out here planning to go to uh, it's different. It's different. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> we don't own a daycare. We don't own a daycare. We don't own a daycare. No, no, it's, it's the location for me. It's the location for me. I don't have a chick nor child. Okay. Okay. If I own a no, if I own a daycare facility, it is my obligation as a business owner to make sure that my business. Is taking every caution to make mm-hmm. sure that the little kids and the parents that are coming to my daycare yes, yes. feel safe yes, and feel like, okay, shit, let me drop my kid off at work. I don't have to worry about my kid catching COVID because all of the kids are six feet apart. They're sanitizing their stations. They're mm-hmm. wiping down the knobs and everything. So no. Everybody who is traveling to Mexico and Tulum and all these other places, that's cool. But I'm pretty sure they're not out here owning daycares. Take <laughs> to Disney when there's more kids. We, you are going to she Disney. is on fire. You are dead. So I do not play so with COVID. Not. I take COVID really serious because I it's have had mine. people around me that passed away. And I've had people around me who's had it. So it was like COVID is taken very serious to me to a certain, especially with the kids, especially with the children. Especially. So in a nutshell, it's been tough. Can I, <laughs> in a nutshell, it's been difficult managing everything from home. You know, for the first, I will have to say, because just recently, it's been a one-year anniversary of us being in the home, right? Being in the house, locked up, right? Yeah. I will have to say for the first time, I was eager to go back to the office. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm ready to go back. To, I, need, I, need, I need a break. You know what I'm saying? I need a break. But above all else, like I'm back in the gym every day. Good. Um, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
eating right, eating, being healthy. You know what I mean? And um, just taking care, just taking care of myself. And you know what I'm saying? Um, I will say this. Let me tell look. So yesterday, I have a quick story. Yesterday, I went to the, I went to three gyms. Three. The first gym I went to was LA Fitness on Elmwood. Mm-hmm. That was a mistake because that's like that's like UB's club caping, right? <laughs> like everybody and their mama is there. Like everybody's caping. So I left there, went to LA Fitness over there near the boulevard, near the boulevard mall. And that one was packed. Like uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. So they're not, so are they not? Um, exercising the six feed and yeah. So the so the thing is the, the so the thing is is that the facility practices the you know the the parameters and the you know the, the safety protocols that are supposed to be in place according to the state. They 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 have those things in place. The problem is is that people are just standing around. Mm. I'm saying like they're just standing around and they're just shooting the shit. Like me, like me, I go in, I know exactly what I want to, I know what I'm working out. I know I'm, I know what I'm stretching, how long I'm stretching. I know what I'm doing as far as cardio. I know what muscles I'm working out. I know how many reps, how many sets, like I don't Mm. have time for games. I'm coming in there. Let's go. Right. But it's hard to do and maneuver that when you have like, 10 to 15 people all huddling around this one area where I'm, that's where I'm supposed to be. And I'm like, nah, I gotta go. So I ended up going to the LA fitness that's around my neighborhood and not for nothing. My neighborhood is nothing but like retired white folks. (laughs) Seven years old. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Retired white folks. So there's not really nobody in there. So it was, Way better, you know what I'm saying? Way better. So, you know, but that's that's been that's been what's up with me. So, so on to the news. What's what's going on? What's trending right now? What's so, going on? So let's talk about um the Kirk Franklin and his son. No shit. Well, okay, but, okay, all right. I think this is the first time we are going to talk about some um, religious. Well, is it religious or is that the fact that he's an individual who no, no, is Tamara, in the church? Tamara, let's let's because I preface this by saying that because of the figure that he is, uh-huh. there could be some inclusion of the you know the religion in the church and the church, the church. Some bullshit. Yeah, I mean, okay. well, just, I mean, are you censoring your material? Because I, I didn't get anything. No, I'm not censoring nothing. All okay. I'm saying is, is that for the first, all I'm saying is, is that for the first time, we might have a conversation that might touch on religion with this subject. Is it, is, is it, well, let me say this. Let's talk about what we're talking about. And then I can see, because from what I've read and saw, I don't see where religion comes into it. So maybe okay, so, just, so, let's, me. so let's open up with this question. Generic question. How do we feel about Kirk Franklin after 
hearing. I'm assuming everybody has heard the call. I heard. I did not hear the call. I read the transcript because you know me. Like we don't read nowadays, so I hear the call. So can give me the snippet. All right. What's the part that's What's the part that's causing people to pause and be like, "Oh my goodness, is Kirk Franklin?" Honestly, essentially, the thing that's causing folks to pause and to have a problem is the fact that he's cursing, and not only is he cursing, but he's cursing to his son and. People of the church got a problem with that. So, so, so again, I, I, I got all that. I wanted to make sure that there wasn't anything else that I missed. Was there anything else he was cussing to his son? No, that's it. No, that's it. That's it. He, he did use the N word. Yeah. Right. He was cussing him out mm-hmm. and whatever. So that's that. Mm-hmm. So the, the holy rollers, Bible beaten people. Mm-hmm. Right. Having an issue because what he was using profane language. Well, so this goes back to a conversation that I just recently had with a friend of mine. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so my position is, is that I agree with you. Like that's his. If anything, those are internal affairs. Right. That's Mm -hmm. something that's personal within the family that should have never got out. And I'm saying that should have never got out to the public, if anything. I think his son is a bitch because that's some that's some that's some soft that's some soft like terry cloth tissue type shit. That's soft. I'm talking about thank you. No more need to be said because we're on the same page. And, and let me say this. You and I are parents. Nas and Nikita are not yet. He said this and I read it because, again, I want to make sure I'm reading and I'm not getting sound bites and snippets. And, you know, maybe I'll go back and, you know, listen to the whole video. He said that, and, and I loved it. Yo, y'all, I was, I cussed at my son. I've had an issue. We've had an issue. We have a tumultuous relationship. There's been, it's been toxic. However, that's my son. And this is what he said that, I, Fred, you go so get on with this. Cause you know what? It reminded me of you and Kai. He said, that is my son. I love him, but he is not my equal. I was done. No, no more to be said. You're a 33 year old man. Anything after that. You have to a 33 year old man. And it sounded like he probably was asking for some money or something. But again, you I'm, I'm reading in between the lines. But he he said, Kirk Franklin said, I don't respect him as a man. So that means you're not taking care of your responsibility. Regardless of who your parents are, our parents owe us nothing. He don't owe him anything. I'm Period. Get on there and get it. You know, and uh, mm, 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 mm. go ahead, go ahead, Naj. You got it. Go ahead. Uh, because like I felt that on a different type of level because that's something that I've gone through before at this age that I am. So it just comes to a point where at the end of the day, even if it even if it was on the, the tables has switched or whatever, it will still be the same situation because like he said. He is not my equal. So at the end of the day, I can't sit here and think like, oh, I have to think of you differently because you're my child. No, you're my child, but you're still a grown ass man. I do not respect you as a man the way that you talk to me, or you treat to me or treat me or any type of way. So I should not lower my standards because you're my child. And, and, you, I, and, then, I, and then I'm not going to let you talk to me in your kind of way. Because you're 33. If you're 33 and you grown and you handling that, then we should have absolutely a wonderful exchange. And but I'm not respect. and and respect too, because that's a big thing of respect. That's where mm-hmm. I, I I'm looking at. 
So yeah. can I ask a question? What what drove Kirk Franklin to because it seems to me the clip the, the small clip that I listened to, it seemed that Kirk wasn't cursing at first. Like he was trying to have a civil conversation with his son. And then eventually it got to a point where it was like, okay, you know what? Since you can't understand this, then let me tell you about X, Y, and Z. And let me tell you in this way, you know, and don't you ever disrespect me, you know, and, you know, I will kill you, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? So what, because according to, according to other public figures who know Kirk Franklin and have talked to Kirk Franklin about this, Tamara, you're right. There has been a a very toxic relationship between the two. But also in that instance, there was other context to this conversation, which led up to a boiling point. Mm -hmm. And also the aftermath was that Kirk Franklin ended up calling their family therapist, Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, getting them on getting him on the call or her on the call as well to try to mediate the tension between the two. So do we know what led up to the boiling point or no? Yeah, I can say that I'm not for sure. However, I feel as though even, even if he was a person to initiate the aggression, you know, I feel like at the end of the day, you know, one, he still made that attempt to be able to, you know, you know, and say, you know, let me get this family therapist involved so to be able to mediate that, you know. But I think it's because of the his aggression and the, his son's aggression that came together. And now and even and like I said, even if it, he didn't, if Kirk Friggin didn't start the aggression, the fact that he got overly aggressive with his child was deemed as a fact that, OK, you're looked at differently now because one, you're a Christian artist. And two, at the end of the day, you know, being a celebrity, you know, it's just people going to look at you differently, especially with that religious background behind it. And then more importantly, what I had an issue with was the fact that he went and publicized the conversation. No, 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 now you talking nah. Nazir taking away. That's the part that was disrespectful. Like, that's like that. My thing is that like what in your right mind, and first of all, when you're 33 years old, you know your family and your father is very is very famous in this world. Why would you even put your family in that type of position and look and have your father be in that certain type of position despite your relationship? And put him in that dis- that, it's, that position. It's the fame. It's about the money. You know how many people and, and he probably and, told and that story to. Because at the end of the day, like that's not that's that's a problem because that's your family number one. It take all the fame out. That's your family. Like why would you publicize that and knowing what type of cat- catastrophe that can cause? That's my you know question. You, you know what? So back to the conversation that I had with this particular friend of mine, who is a church going person her her greatest contention is not the fact that the conversation was recorded and trust was broken and this the greatest the greatest deed of disrespect was shown the church's greatest contention is the fact that oh kirk franklin was cursing at his kid that's a, it's a sin to curse Okay, how many of them 
How many of them? Are, listen, listen, this me. I would rather have a church figure use profane language with their own child in in especially in the child is now if the child was three or 13 or 12, you you have a you you got me. He's 33, he's 33, he's a grown, grown ass man. man. Grown ass man, grown ass grown, man. Like straight grown. He getting he getting ready to get an AARP card. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so that, that's so let me there's so many things here and I don't even want us to spend a whole bunch of time because I'm getting no, ready to no, tap no. out on this. No, That's part of the problem, I believe, with why there's so many individuals that are so falling out of love with, guess what, religion. Because here's the thing, there's a difference between being religious and spiritual. Religion, again, is something that you follow, practice. Here it is. Spirituality is what you are. Period. So he said, I'm human. So tell me how many, if we were to poll them for real, for real, we were at home and we were to basically have cameras in their house, how many of them are cussing too? And and this is what this is why I said that this is gonna probably be how many of them cuss us, us touching on the points of I'm not saying this is gonna be a religious discussion, but it's just the fact that this is probably the first time that we've actually tackled a topic within this religious world dealing with a public figure you know that is now being scrutinized because of the way in which he addressed his 33 year old son you know and in the eyes of the church they frown upon that they're like well you know regardless if he's a grown man or not he shouldn't be cursing one, he shouldn't be talking to his kids that way. And two, he shouldn't be cursing at them. You know what I'm saying? So well, why are we doing dirt on on in areas where it's dirty on ours? Like the, the, that's that's what I'm trying to figure out because at the end of the day, we all we all for sure. And and come and coming as a Christian man, like for me, it's just at the end of the day, I'm not perfect. Yes, I make it out of character, but that's not my character. And I'm not about to sit here and, you know, allow anybody to disrespect me. And I'm very big on respect. So if I feel like at any point in time, anybody disrespecting me, and that could be my own parents as well, too, I'm going to let them know. And I feel like in Kirk Franklin's perspective, it was a more so on the fact that, that he was telling him, I'm going to show you better than I can tell you. Because you don't sit there and do certain things like that. You know, despite what whatever whatever religion that you come from and things like that, then that you are who you are. You know, it's more about being able to just understand that we are imperfectly perfect. So there's some type of you know, some type of way where we may for sure sometime, but you cannot look at me differently because if you're judging me, then I get to judge you too because you're no better than I am. And an- and another thing is, you know, another another because <laughs> spoke to a couple people about this. Um, another person spoke about how who the church is looking at it from a different lens compared to everyone else. They're looking at it as Kirk Franklin is this image, this figure, right? Who has influence, leadership, and is presented to be this Christian that has a personification of being holy, right? Right. And how everyone else is thinking of it is this is just parenting skills. So, you know, 
the masses who believe, including myself and us, like that's the way you parent, that's the way you talk. Okay, fine, no problem, because the black family can identify with this. Like I done cursed my kid out a couple times. And he's even Christian black black people, black and people. Thir- and he's 13. And and everybody that is that comes from me, that is cut from my cloth, knows that you can get a good cursing out. You know what I'm saying? From this family over here. Like it, you know, but that doesn't that doesn't make me no less of a believer or anything of that nature. But yet Steve Harvey made a point. Steve Harvey was like, listen, why is it that somebody like a Kirk Franklin, every word that comes out of his mouth has to have a cross on it? Like he like he has to be so protective of his image that we forget that he is a man. No, but no, not only that, he said it best himself. I'm human. And at the end of the day, I go back to the point. Some individuals that are connected to the church expect unrealistic things from human people. There was only one perfect being. And then guess what? And even, you know, Jesus said, I'm not even perfect. So if he isn't perfect, what would make us believe that each and every one of us show up every day and we're just supposed to be perfect? That's not even, that's not even real. So again, at the risk of sounding redundant, miss me and we can move on because it's it's a dub. Okay. (laughs) Now you got any final comments about this? Completely a dub. Okay. <laughs> Nikita, we need any thoughts or you good? Man is human. That's his son. He should be entitled to talk to his son in any which way form he would like to. That doesn't make him less of a man, less of a Christian man, and less of a great father. And that's it. And did they say about what the son was saying to him? Did they have an issue with the son cussing him out? Exactly. This is what I'm saying. Like they were both doing that. So two. Exactly. So how can you sit here and just look at people like that? Like Only because I come from a situation between my older brother, who is around the same age, my brother's 34, and him and my mom, they go, they go back and forth all the time. But I also know that with my dad and him, they have really strong personalities and they are, they clash all the time. And their arguments are worse than what was even said on, on that um, audio. But at the same time, it goes back to, you can't, you can't, you can't judge another man and his child at all. Like you just can't. That's just how I feel. But it's more than the fact that he's a grown man though. Like, I, like it's that we can understand if that was a, a two-year-old or a three-year-old talk, like, you know, him talking to them like that, then, okay, we can sit here and look at it differently, but you are a grown man. Once you are grown, where when they may not be equal, but understand that it's no type of like no negotiation when it comes to respect. Like at the end of the day, I, I raised you. I did everything that I could for you. I did it because I love you. But once you get to a certain age, you are entitled to do whatever you like to do. So if you like to make the right, the right choices and respect me and do all those things and that's fine, but you cannot be sitting there and just be able to just blatantly disrespect and then do something that's going to make me look bad. That means that looks at you like, do you really love your father or the way that you feel? Or did you really take the situation out of proportion and dragged it the way that you did? Two, with the intention to 
put it out there because why would you record a private conversation between you and your father now you when you're planning for my downfall? Exactly. That's the way I look at it. You was plotting on me. You plotting on me from the beginning. So that makes me that there was a that there was a pre presumption that that was going to happen anyway because of what he previously felt from before. Because you had that in mind that you was going to do that. You don't be in the heat in the moment, be like you know what? Let me record my dad real quick because so let me get his ass. You're not even thinking about that because your adrenaline is running and you're upset. Your emotions is running. And you're locked into that conversation. Exactly. He planned that. Yeah. He already knew we was boiling it because he already knew. And he fostered into that, that conversation. He knew that he would say one thing that I was going to trigger him and it triggered him. And that's how you play. That's how you plot. So I'm glad we're having this conversation because we're talking about just not because now the conversation is transitioning into a, a generational one, right? Because I, I had this um a couple weeks a couple weeks back, I was talking to uh, I believe my wife about just the youth, and I was taught like no, it, it was uh, um my wife and I did talk about this, but it was something on TV. They were talking about just this generation and how this generation just has a a real deep sense of entitlement to everything. Like there's just, there is this belief that things should be given to them without earning anything or that they're entitled to whatever it is, you know? And, And there's this attitude that seems to be universal amongst this current generation of people. So it's just like, what, like, I mean, look at college students today, presently, college students today, a mass majority of them feel as if they should not have to work this hard to get something or to earn something well it's honestly because i honestly kind of blame it on the parenting a little bit because of the fact that um when it comes to you having like a child and especially like if it's an only child and things like that it's like when you when you keep on giving and giving to your child even though yes you want to be able to bless them and show that you love them but at a certain at a certain point you want to be able to say here you earned a 90 and on your report card here's a gift for you no not just saying like you know just giving them hair and there because for me my <clears throat> my mom like i know that she babied me and i honestly it was to the point where it was i was 18 years old about to go about to go to college at buff state and my mom was still trying to do my laundry still trying to clean my room and i could have easily taken advantage and i could have been like oh yeah you know my mom's gonna do it because i felt entitled because she continuously kept on doing it so you know i i tried to be able to be more independent because you know she was independent woman so you're gonna raise independent children you know so but i feel like when it comes to When it comes to, um, you know, this generation feeling entitled is because of the 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 too much of the leeway, I would say, being too lenient with the parenting, because once you get to a certain age, especially when you come to college, my college, my college friends, when I was in Perry living in living in um, at Buff State, they didn't know how to do their laundry. 
at all. Nobody, nobody know how to do their laundry, you know? And then even when, even when I was working in orientation, like all these, so they just felt entitled. They was going to get this and get that and get this, get that. And it's just like, no, like you got to work for that. But I don't think that, you know, um, as a teenager, you know, you don't get any chance to work for that because, you know, usually things is given to you until you get to a point where you're 18 and 19. You're just like, okay, I got to get my shit together. You know? So I feel like it's more of a way where it's like for parenting, if you're able to really allow your child to work for things instead of just giving and giving it, then they will take advantage of the things and they won't sit there and think that you're their equal because you're being too much of a companion rather than a parent now, because it's just like, you're treating me as if like you're a friend and it's not a friend. So it needs to be able to be that balance. And that's why when you mentioned before that, you know, families, you know, and children and parents, they run into situations like that because now when they get older, the child is all being all this and all that. And then the parents like, Whoa, where that came from. But then thinking about how how did their child experience affect that? I think that um, <clears throat> Najee basically hit on all of the points and it goes back to Kirk Franklin. We're not equal. Some parents, because they're wanting to provide or give their children what they themselves did not have, whether they grew up in poverty, whether they didn't have both parents in the household, what it's called is overcompensation. They overcompensate for what they didn't have. And they're trying to, again, ensure that their children has it. Then they also don't want their children not to have what the other kids have. So then that way it messes with their self-esteem and Johnny and Kenny and Paul and Alicia and man, man, and them have to have the latest this, that, and the other. And you know what? We're rewarding them for mediocrity. Let's just say it. We're giving them and they've not done not one near thing. And then where does this come from when we're talking about you know, paying our children basically for them to hold up their end of the bargain? You got heat. You get lights, you get water, you got a roof over your head. And it's my job as your parent to take care of all of that. And it's your job, again, as the child in this relationship, because it's a business for you to go to that schoolhouse and do your very best. I'm not saying get all A's because not every kid is capable of all A's. But what I'm saying is you hold up your end of the bargain and that is your end of the bargain. You keep your room clean, your bathroom and the kitchen. And we got a deal. But no, we're yeah, cooking for them. Weird. We're cleaning for them. We're washing their clothes. They're coming to college. And they don't they're even know. cocking up their feet on the, on the chair. They're just cocking up their feet. Oh, I'm, I do it anyway. I remember I used to walk into my room. I knew my room was clean because my mother did it for me anyway. After I told her not to. You know, like this is hitting so close to the vest because... I was just having this conversation with my 13-year-old son today, <laughs> you know, because um, I, I, I tell my son his only job right now is school. That is your only job, right? Yeah, you have chores and stuff, but your job, things that, you know, your your job is making sure that your school is in line. And if everything is in line with that, then comes recreational stuff. I'm saying then comes privilege. It gets, it becomes a problem when I believe it becomes a problem when folks believe that 
the privilege supersedes the work. And, you know, this, this feeling that I don't have to do this because I know regardless or not, dad's going to get this for me or mom is going to do this for me. So I'm, I'm cool. I'm good. That is like, I think that is ruining the, the, just, just the moral fiber of this generation. Wait, the privilege. Let's back that all the way up. They ain't got no damn privilege. Their parents have privilege. What did um, Bill Cosby say to Theo? Me and my wife got money. You and your sisters and brothers are broke. You don't have no money. You don't have no privilege. You, you're you not picking up a bill. You, you can't go to the... Listen, Jante used to call it. You're taking mommy, you, up space. Listen, Jante used to call it. Mommy, we, mommy, we go into the, the money machine. We got to put something in the money machine to get something out the money machine, little girl. Look, I, look. They don't have any. I get that. But the problem that I'm seeing is the fact that one, so we have these young parents out here and these young parents want to be cool and, and they want to be friends with their kids. And that, that becomes problematic because where's the parenting? And, the, and they seem equal too. going back and to the they, conversation that we seem, had before. And right. that's what I was getting to. That is, that is, Wait a minute, but you're talking about young parents. No, it, it, it is the young parents, but let's put, let's quantify that, right? Let me get into my statistics. <laughs> We're talking about individuals that are 30, 35, 40, that is still young, but you still know better. Your frontal, again, um, the seat of logic is completely developed. You know what's wrong. So when the school or when the employer calls trying to find them or they can't keep a job because every time something happens, you want to swoop in and you want to save them from the pressures of life. It's called life and it's called figuring things out. You know what it's called? It's called problem solving. And you know what else it's called? It's called nothing is given. You know what else it's called? Work the shit out. Figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it, Figure it out. out. It's Figure like it's like it's like throwing it's like throwing it's like throwing yeah. Because I remember when I was younger and me and my family was at the beach, no, at the pool, and my dad, what he did to my sister, my younger sister, like she was like, "Daddy, you know, I want I want to learn how to swim." He's like, "Oh, you want you want to know how to swim?" And she's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Okay." He's like, "Picked up, you ready?" Threw her right in the water. Sink or swim. Sink or swim. Say, daddy, daddy. He's like, I'm right here. You, you go and get yourself out of there. He said, I'm right here. If I feel like you drowning, I'll get you. But you gonna figure, figure out how to get yourself out that water. Figure it out. And it may be hard, but it's still possible. But but and and okay. So let's 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 stay there. Hard. One. And 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 what world? When you want to live the life of the two and three percenters, Nikita, and what world is it not going to be difficult? And what world is it not? You're, go, you're not going to come up against challenges. And what world are you not going to fail? So you're expecting everything to be 
pristine, clean, and easy because my father's Kirk Franklin, because my father went out there and bust his butt and basically honed his craft. Now I should be able to what? Sit on his coattails because I want to just, I want, I want to chill. I don't want to go out and find my own way. Mm-hmm. Zip well, something that's it. Zip up my jacket. That means time to go. Yeah, man. I, you know, just something that just came to mind, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you know, just to recap uh, a couple things, you know, we, we were talking about the Kirk Franklin situation and then shifted into a conversation about entitlement and why this generation has that, feeling or that sense of entitlement when it comes to lifestyle or, you know, they just feel as if like they don't have to work, you know, hard or they don't find the joy in working hard for something anymore. It's just granted to them. And it even, we even touched a little bit on parenting, you know, and um, how the parents want to be friends with their kids and, you know, and, and the absent, in the absence of parenting, because parenting and parenting when I grew up was a lifestyle, you know, now, you know, <laughs> that, that was just, that was just a norm. Like my mom wasn't just like my mom, my neighbor was my auntie, you know what I'm saying? Like down, like a couple houses down was, uh, was, was up right there. And then across the street, that was Mrs. Robinson. And she was like grandma. Right. And if I were to, if I were to mess up, Everybody on the block knew about it and everybody was trying to size me up. Like, that's just what it is. Right. So now, would you think it's more of because of the accountability that is around you? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? So be, because when when you were mentioning different people that's around you, all I've just seen was everybody holding you accountable. So right. yeah. of what you were doing. So that's why I say, hey, do you think it's just accountability? So when you connect it to what we talked about with young mothers, it's not that much accountability that's around for whatever reason. So, you know. Right. Well, there's not that, there's not that much support around. Because think about it. I think that's that's another big thing I think that is different between generations is in my generation, on my block, when I was growing up, there was a tremendous amount of support. You know what I'm saying? The community was the support. You know what I'm saying? From from the teachers, because the teachers lived right down the block. You know what I mean? They didn't live that far away from, from, from the neighborhood school. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, the firefighters, police officers, communities, community centers, and the boys and girls clubs. And you know what I'm saying? Like all these people played a part in the development of me. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, whether if I whether if I got into a fight or I had a bad grade, or I or or, or, or I punched somebody in the face, or I got caught kissing a girl over here. Like people held, like you said, people held me accountable. And the reason why people held me accountable because is because there was people there. There was people in it. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference today because the, everybody. There's such. There's not a lot of people. There's not a lot of community building. There's not a lot of, you know, villages raising up people. It isn't today. You know, anybody want to share on that or? Yeah, I have a few things. You're absolutely right. 
our communities have lost their way. There used to be so when you when you spell community, C-O-M-M, capital U, capital and capital I, capital T, capital Y, unity. There's no unity. We have communities. We have places where, you know, we have zip codes and we, you know, drive into, you know, um, our driveways. We're now, I believe, become so consumed with this whole idea of being the perfect family that we don't want. I don't want Fred to know my kid is a badass and they're failing and they have drug problems and such and such is pregnant at the age of 13 for the second time. And not only that, she's pregnant by somebody's boyfriend, husband. Okay. We have gone to a place where we continue to keep these lies and these family secrets that are damaging to our communities. So that's where we're partly where we've lost the support. You know what? Nobody wants to talk about Mr. Robertson getting drunk on Friday nights and coming home and beating up Miss Nancy. But we all knew that it was happening. So what we began doing was disconnecting from the unit. So then that way I didn't have to explain why my eye was black. I didn't have to explain why, you know, my son is in jail again for the second time. I didn't want somebody in my business when we were in community. It was all of our business. And it wasn't like we were going back and talking about one another. We were holding one another up. We were having what rent parties to make sure, you know, um, Tamara could pay her rent. We were having parties to make sure she had, you know, food in the refrigerator to take care of the children. We were coming together and Miss Nancy was the community mom. So when the mothers had to go to work, they had somewhere to take their kids because they couldn't afford a traditional daycare. It was called, again, other mothers. We are missing all of that and other fathers kin. That's where the whole idea of kin come from. My play cousin. We spent the night over one another's house. We ate over one another's house. Sometimes the parents even shared again meals. Okay, what you got over there? Naj, you got some um, chicken. Okay, Nikita got some mashed potatoes and rice. And then Fred and Sierra got something this. And then Tamir, you bring the cornbread and the Yes, 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 yes. Unity. Yes. Unity. Unity. I feel like everyone nowadays is just more so worried about who can come, to come up or who looks better or who's better no. doing it or and it's just it's distasteful because you know I don't mean to talk about any other like race or demographic but that's really why a lot of people look down upon us as black and brown people because we're so eager to be at the top we don't know how to be unified or be as a collective like why do we need one black man to do something why can't we have all black men or why do we have one woman that's doing this why can't we have all women as a collective like you know you have women out here that is competing to be the best makeup artist or hairstylist or photographer or model you know but at the same time you have our other colored folks who are looking at us <laughs> like we're the laughing stop, you know? So I think our biggest thing as, as a community is we're, we're greedy to be number one and we don't want to share that spot with anyone else. And then when it comes to with aggression, you know, that's when we all want to link up when we all want to be aggressive and show who we are. But you know, that can be interpreted in so many different ways. So I really think it's important to really, you know, I, I, I actually want to know what do you think is a cause of that? 
that you know the community that that sense of communal like or the community has changed it's the ideology we've been socialized again to believe we, we we've been sold a bill of goods so again let's do we go back all the way again to slavery do we go all the way back to jim crow do we go all the way back now to the new jim crow we've been sold a bill of goods do y'all realize that in the 1950s i believe um the people of color, black and brown people had the highest marriage rate. Then 20 years later in the 1970s, we had the highest divorce rate because society that is ran partly because it's patriarchal and it's capitalistic, realized that if black and brown people were to ever freaking get it together, that they know who their chosen one and we don't need them. It's called Black Wall Street. We had all of these other entities. Say it again. Say it again. And then guess what they do? They burned them down. Guess what they were doing? They cash economically castrated the black male. This was one of the first sets, one of the first sets we talked about on For the Love of what you do. Then you create dissension amongst the family inside the household because because guess what? A black man, a brown man, he want to take care of his family just like he see the white man doing it. And when he isn't able to, he feels less than, then guess what? Nikita and Tamara comes around and we got about six degrees. We pushing Porsches. You know, we living in Cali and we popping bottles and we doing all this other stuff. And then guess what? The black man said, I don't wear, I don't, the black and brown man said, I don't date black women because they got an attitude. They're angry. You know what? Hell, well, sometimes we are angry because guess what? If I got to carry all these kids it's on my back because you dipped off because you felt like you couldn't provide for them because you couldn't get a job. What was I supposed to do? Was I supposed to fall apart and just throw myself into an insane asylum? And so then guess what? We have to deal with the negative tropes that, oh my goodness, black women are strong and we're not afforded a safe space for us to take care of our emotional well-being. Frederick. I'm gonna play devil's advocate here because well, no devil, you can just put it on out there. Well, it, I was just thinking about this. I, I think we, conditioning has a lot to do with it. You know, um, mind conditioning has a lot to do with it, and I think I, I am a, I am an advocate for hip hop, but I think hip hop has something to do with it too. And I'll, I'll say it like this. Um, our, our dear beloved brother, Tupac Shakur, put something in the atmosphere when he said, I got to get mine, you got to get yours. And I think when we talk about community, community, like you said, unity, right? Mm-hmm. When, yep. we, when we went from U-N-I-T-Y to I got to get mine, you got to get yours. I think the message shifted. And even today, in today's music, you hear messages about how people are so quick. It's a survival type of instinct where it's no longer community as much. Like we're starting to get back to it because now people are talking about group economics and, you know, trying to build up an ownership and stuff like that. But, um, hold on. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. But the messages that the communities, the generations have been hearing really does deal with the fact of 
self-interest and we've gotten away from community building and we've gotten away from uh, community investment and taking care of one of one another and policing one another and building up one another, you know, because our self-interest has superseded community. You get what I'm saying? And it's really in the messaging of the music that has been generational, you know, because think about it, like we, us of the diaspora are rhythmic people. So when we hear music and we hear these messages and now we're starting to hear the lyrics behind the messages, we're starting to really understand, oh, okay, wait a minute. If I got to get mine, you got to get yours. Okay. So you know what? Tamara, like Tamara, like it's all good. Like I got mine, but Tamara, you got it. Like, I'm not going to share mine because this is something that I earned. You got to get yours. You get what I'm saying? Am, am I making sense? Because I really do think that just as much as how we could talk about how, yes, there is, there is the, uh, the backstory about how the, the government and how uh, the white supremacy and white society has done these things to oppress us, to, to, to dissipate our community, but also in the same breath, we have also done that too. There has been some inflicting pain on our end that has contributed to the mindset as to why there is no more sense of community. Like, Gang like gangs, you know what I'm saying, or going to different hoods. Like for a moment when I was a kid, my my cousins lived in a certain hood, and these were my favorite kids. I mean, these were my favorite cousins, but I felt like I couldn't go over there. You know what I'm saying? I felt like there was no community over there because of the hood that they were a part of. And I was a part of another hood. So you know, where was the community in that? So it's just there's there's multiple layers to this onion. There's multiple layers to this onion right here. And I feel that just as much as there is the white society to blame for this, there's also self-inflicting things that we have to address as an oppressed people to really, really dive deep and to answer this riddle as to why community has left our, our people. You dig what I'm saying? I do. So there, there's a few things um, that that I um, in no particular order. You're absolutely right. We do play a part in it, but we're not the cause. When you have structural racism, when you have institutional racism, when you have intersecting oppressions that are everywhere we turn, every corner is called education, even religion to a certain point, because look, we wouldn't even be having this particular conversation. You're talking about politics. You are talking about um, almost everything, government, employment, even where you live. We have all of these institutional oppression, institutional um, intersections of oppression and racism that find either discrimination and or prejudice everywhere we turn. So absolutely, it's we could get to a point where, you know what, guess what? If I can't bring all of us along, at least let me try to get mine and you get yours. But the thing that I would like to add to that is that does not mean I don't believe 
we had to step on one another to get ours. What happened to getting ours and then coming back to the projects with the elixir? I was just about to ask you information. So then that way we can all rise. Guess what it's called? Play the f- um, play the food to catch the wise. Okay, I'm going to get in here and I'm going to play like whatever I need to play, but then I'm going to keep my foot in the door so then that way I can make sure Nikita get in. Nikita get in, then she put her foot in the door and she makes sure nice, et cetera, et cetera, right? So here's the deal. Y'all, lyrics are important. Music is the only thing that don't need your permission to enter your psyche. However, it's called comprehension. Not everybody's meant to die conscious. So, are you rocking out to it? Are you understanding what those messages are saying to you? And then are you believing them? And then how are they showing up in your world? How are they showing up in your life? We have to be conditioned enough to say, you know what? As a feminist, yup, I can rock out to some songs that I know they're just nasty and they're misogynistic, but I can differentiate and I know the difference. Because I was just about to ask the question, why, you know, 50, 50 cent, um, <laughs> 50 comes to mind, right? 50 made the comment and he was like, listen, he's like, you know, I'm trying to get out the hood. I'm not trying to stay in the hood. I'm trying to get out the hood. And when he said that, a lot of folks called 50 a sellout. You know what I'm saying? They was like, oh, like he doesn't care about his community. He doesn't care about his hood. But he never said that. He was like, yo, like my mindset is that I'm trying to get out of this place. I'm trying to get out of this place, establish myself. And once I've done that, then I can give back. What is the sense of giving back something that I don't have? So has he given back? What has he done? He's definitely made it. What has he done? I don't know. Right. So again, let, let me let me give us an example. LeBron James. LeBron James. Period. When I tell you, regardless of whether you Kobe Bryant this game in what on the court, the hardwood homeboy is making a impact on his community in all the ways in which. Listen, look at what the NBA did during Rose. during all-star weekend hbcus were on flood on fire that was amazing i promise you pwis are going to suffer even more because admissions already going down guess what people are going now to hbcus because we get vice president again harris on lock. Then we have Raphael Warnock on lock. Then you got Stacey Abrams. Then you got Keisha Lance Bottoms. All again, HBCU grads. LeBron James now is part owner in a baseball team. LeBron James, when that fool, Kelly, whatever her name is, was talking about black lives doesn't matter and whatever, whatever. He and the WNBA players all wore t-shirts, vote Warnock, and got her out of office because she had no place. Now, somebody else, I think three or four black women own that particular team. He had a school. And how much money did he just don't, how much money has he donated to, again, scholarships for black and brown people to go to HBCUs? So, Miss me with all that. I, you know, I don't care whether you live in the community or not, but what are you doing for your community? Um, Kyrie Irving just either um, 
selected seven or nine scholars that he's going to be offering scholarships to for HBCUs. Let me give you this. Who knew? The Masters, right? I just happened to be watching ESPN, which I often do. The Masters, they just honored Lee Elder. He was the first black man to play on the greens in Augusta, Georgia. The first black man when people were telling him you didn't you don't deserve to be here, et cetera. What they're doing now is they said, you know what? This here is a selective sport. It's a very expensive sport and it is lily white. And we have to begin doing something about this. They created an actual scholarship and endowment for scholarships for Payne College, which is an HBCU in Augusta, Georgia, for not only the men's team, but also the women's team. But here's the, the gotcha. There's no women's golf team. So guess what they do? They put their money where their mouth is. The beginning, they fund them to have a women's golf team. Time out. Time out for the excuses. If you have influence, you should have some affluence as well within the places and the spaces that you are to ensure that you're being a part of something that's bigger than each and every one of you. So. Great conversation, y'all. So let's uh, shift gears. And uh, um, this is uh, Women's Appreciation Month, correct? Yeah. Okay, so um, it's supposed to be, and then wind up being. That's again, we get on, ain't no telling so, what. So yeah, let's so, do it so, real quick, so that way we can not necessarily real quick, but so let's let's um let's end uh, let's end this conversation on a high note, and let's talk about um Women's Appreciation Month and some of the highlights um uh, about uh, women in this segment. Um, Tamara, I'm gonna let you lead this conversation. <laughs> not, not, I don't mean let you, I'm not. No, no, I wanna talk about that. I'm like, I just got finished talking. No, um, so, you know, Nikita and I, and also, you know, Amnaz and Fred um, and Jade also, you know, with it with being Women's History Month, um, you know, we felt what, what better way really to kind of tap into not only Women's History Month, but all of the amazing things that are happening in this particular month and then happening also for, you know, women of color. And as, again, a team that's the persons of color, you know, we're going to lean there because we're pro-Black and brown don't mean we're anti anything else. So for those of you that are just tuning in, for those of you that are listening to, to the love for the love of for the first time, you know, know that we love all things and all people, but we do love our black and brownness. Um, and we say, we stand on that. So with that, we're shouting out some of the amazing things that have happened during this particular month. Um, Women's History Month, namely Viola Davis, making Oscar history as one of the most nominated black actresses ever. And just thinking about how significant that is because at a time, Hollywood, big business, Oscars, the Emmys, wasn't giving love to brown women, let alone women that are of her complexion because she's a darker, she's a mocha color. And when she accepted one of her um, 
speeches, acceptance speech when she won an award. I can't remember if it was for the help um, or fences. So please forgive me, Viola. You know, I love you. Hey, girl. Hey, um, she said it's not that we're not talented enough. There are no roles for us. We're not being asked to play these particular roles. So here, ask me offer us opportunities to show up and we will show up. And she's been on fire. She just played Ma Rainey. And I believe she's going to be slated to play Michelle Obama. Whoa. Michelle Obama. That's what I heard again. Yeah. Well, yep. I have one. Okay. I want to talk about Tiffany Haddish. Okay. Oh my god. Did you watch it? Oh my gosh. I, I don't know. So please Wait, do oh, oh, since, so Tiffany Haddish. Wait, I may have a, a a spoiler thing for you guys. Okay. A little a little exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> Los Angeles, California. <laughs> do you guys know what movie Tiffany's working on right now? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't. And she, and, she is, and she is getting in shape for it. Like, I'm gonna let Fred Garrett. She, she, she is in. She's in incredible shape. So, um, first thing, Tiffany Haddish won a Grammy for her comedy special, um, and she is the there hasn't been a black woman that has won this segment or won this award within the Grammy since 1986. Mm-hmm. And when she won the award, she was speaking to a group of young black girls. And, and so beautiful black little girl. Right. And they surprised her while she was talking to them. They surprised her because she was like, you know, I'm just happy with just being nominated before a Grammy. And it was like, no, you won it. And she was like, shut up. It was like, no, we're serious. You you won the Grammy. And She's she like, that, you say, yeah, you, y'all see this microphone right Yeah, yeah, see, like you see this mic in my ear, like you play. Like, you just you know? told me I won a Grammy. And she was like, no, seriously, so, like you so won a Grammy. Grammy. Isn't Grammy's music? It's it's but it's like so the comedy is also considered like a concert type of series. Okay. You know what I'm saying so stand up part of the thing, right? It's technically, like an it's an audio thing. So, like the project that she was working on, um, it got submitted into into the category, and it was just dope to see that you know before her, the only other black woman that got it was Whoopi. Mm, okay. okay, that was when Whoopi was doing six to eight days. Before Sister she has been killing it. And when I found out the movie that she's preparing for, I literally cried. Because the the amount of discipline you have to have in order to have that role in which she is uh, preparing for, it it she's she looks great like she took that role and but put it in, can somebody put it in the chat so i know what we're talking about yeah i got you right now okay thank you yeah she's working on um um the famous uh track star flojo oh 
Yes, and she's killing it. Slow, yo. And she's like, when I say she's getting in shape, shape. like she is getting in shape. She fits that kind of so well. Oh my gosh. It's just like, I can already see the the intense intensity that she's putting into that role. Like, oh my gosh. Like, Now, one thing I did not like is someone said that she's the Nicki Minaj of comedy. I didn't really understand that. I was I like, understand that because of her, oh, that's that's the word that I should use, rambunctious yeah. <laughs> ways of just being who she is. And apparently Tiffany, apparently Tiffany didn't like that either. She was like, um, she was like, unlike Nicki Minaj, I'm very respectful to people. And I was like, like kind of shape. But but Again, we're appreciating women. Women, so you know, Tiffany Haddish definitely uh, uh, this month did accomplish uh, something that is worth mentioning. And also, I don't know if you ever watched Taraji P Henson's little um, little series called Peace of Mind. Mm-hmm. Is that like the red table talk? Oh that my gosh! I encourage y'all to watch that. It's only one season, but it's so impactful. It's with her best friend. What's her name? Um, Tracy, Tracy something I forgot, but, um, but yeah, it's basically a mental health awareness um, type of. I've, um, I've seen it's on Facebook or something. Yes, like that, right? It's on Facebook. Watch. It is so influential. Like they, they talk about different series. Like they talk about anxiety, depression. Um, they talk about how, um, how tran- transgender um, women and their anxiety and their depression that they go through. Um, they just, they, they even have, they have, they have, um, celebrities come up there they had um they had gabrielle union um they had um mary j blige um they had um tamar braxton and they also had the brother of pop smoke on there after wow. well, after wow. he died and wow. he basically explaining his experience of how he felt and how that um how that made him feel and how he's persevering through it too like it's so 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 impactful. I whoever's listening, I encourage y'all to watch it. It's on Facebook. Watch most of y'all probably got Facebook, so definitely take a look at it because it will really blow your mind. So talking about women empowerment, just really talking about how I was, I was like our black beautiful women is really setting the standard for mental health around this uh, around this world, especially going through it in the pandemic. You know, I really definitely want to give kudos to Taraji P. Henson because she has really opened my eyes up as also me being an educator in school counseling, like just really looking at that and how they really show how black people also go through these traumas too, because we don't, you know, black people don't go to therapy as we said in previous episodes and stuff like that. So definitely kudos to her. And she created the, she created a mental health foundation and named it by her father. Mm. And now, and so that was one of the other things too, when I was talking about earlier and I can't remember, um, you know, what was it in connection to, um, but why is it that our society is infatuated with not seeing black and brown women as whole? Why are they infatuated with, again, the trope of a strong black or brown woman and we can surmount and we can get over anything. And then the moment, oh, I know what it was. It was connected to, again, Duchess Meghan Markle. She 
she goes to them and tell them, listen, I, I, I'm, I am considering suicide. I need some support. And they tell her no, because it would look bad for Buckingham Palace. It would look bad for the monarch. So that goes to show you that we don't have safe spaces for us to take care of our emotional well-being. That's not good. So we have to have this dialectic experience to show every other person in America that guess what? Why do other women get the opportunity to again start crying and falling out and seek counseling and oh my goodness, they're so brave. But the moment we do it, we're seen as weak. I'm over it. Right. Oh, and that, and that's and honestly that is so true. They had they yeah, so they had Tamar Braxton on there. And I don't know if y'all heard of the situation when she, you know, she was um she was a host on the real. And um and basically I guess like they kind of fired her, but not even kind of they fired her off of the real. This is I think this is like a couple of years ago or something. But when she was on Taraji P. Henson's thing, she told her she was like honestly like that embarrassment almost caused her to kill herself because of the fact that she didn't want to look embarrassed in front of her child. And when she said that, I was just like, wow, like just really thinking like you, you setting the standard as a mom, like this super mom and then being in the platform like that and being, you know, ashamed or embarrassed and things like that. And how all those things really caused her to not eat for days or for a month, you know, and really has changed her ways where, you know, that she once was, you know, and, you know, we, and, and honestly, black people deal with that regularly. They do. You know? We deal with it regularly, but, uh, and the problem that I have is the fact that we sweep it under the rug. We do. No, it's okay. It's going on. Oh, you, you ain't nothing wrong with you. Pray to Jesus. God will fix everything. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, God knows that there's counselors, you know, and in some, in some God sent God made counselors. Right. And in some people need a way for them to get what's ailing them, what is causing them so much pain out to an individual who won't judge them. You can't say, oh, okay, well, understand. Well, God will talk to you. Well, unless you understanding you know, how to be quiet. Guess what? You might be thinking God is talking to you and you might be thinking that he's saying, okay, well, it's time for you to go. And y'all know what I mean. And then you're like, well, God said it. Well, how do you know that that's God? Especially if you talk about it. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. That's what I was waiting for, Tamara. I was waiting for you to say that. I was waiting for you to say that. What makes you think that was God? But okay. Exactly. Right. Well, what makes you think? But if you don't know any better and you don't have anybody to help you balance that out and really see it for what it is and help you make sense of it, as I call, take those dots out of your pocket and connect them. Then guess what? You might think it's one thing and it could be something completely different. And the next thing you know, you all turned around, can't even scratch your um, watch or wind your butt. Period. Okay. What other? I, I no no no. Honestly, I wanted to show you something because it was something that I seen on um that Drake said that he said that something that was so similar to that. So he said you're going to be 16, 17, or eighteen for only three hundred and sixty five days. You can you can you could die at nineteen or twenty or even at sixteen. When your mom asks you if you want to sleep in her bed, say yes. 
one day she'll be in the hospital and there won't be enough room to make up for right now. Stop yeah. canceling plans. Go out and use your legs while they work. You're you're guaranteed nothing. Stop denying affection. You will never be able to love someone as a teenager at 35. Someone, someone, many, some, someone's are going to tell you that they love you. Don't keep quiet because you've been told it's too soon. If you love them, say so. Be brutal. Um, beautifully honest. Go out and change the world. Fight for peace, equality, and change. And this is with the part where he mentioned that connected to what she said. He said, when you're 70 and can only watch the news all day, you don't want to see the same issue still going on when you had every chance to fight it. Stop romanticizing the I don't need anybody and I don't have feelings attitude. It's easier to make friends in high school than in nursing homes. And mm. Your feelings and intimacy. Don't apply Apologize for Karen and don't let anyone make you feel guilty, even if it's one sided. You're only a teenager for 2,555 days and then you're 20. Life never slows down. Bones become fragile and break. People die and hearts become weak with every atom in your body. Live mm. right now. Mm. He stuck easier to, it's easier to make friends now than in a nursing home. Come on, Drake. What well, you know, but I, you know what that reminds me of one of my favorite lines in um, Moment for Life. That's one of my that's probably my favorite song by Nicki Minaj, probably the only one I know by that's her. My song. Right. right. And everybody dies, but not everybody lives. Mm-hmm. Everybody dies, but right. So we all know when I was doing my um my my morning meditation. So I'm listening to, you know, some of the individuals I listen to. This one cat said, listen, stop pretending like, you know, that one day somebody's going to have to eulogize you. Stop pretending like you you're going to be here forever. What are you waiting on? Stop pretending that you are not going to die. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Get busy living or get busy dying. Shawshank Redemption. My favorite movie. And it's just that simple. <laughs> there it final, is. The final crown I want to put on a queen's head is the queen bee herself. And blue I day. And blue. That was so cute too. You know, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Queen Bee and her daughter Blue won a Grammy. Um, and um that has set forth Beyonce to be tied with the most nominations at 26, I believe. 28. 28. The most nominations, man or female, period. So she's going, she's going to break that record. You know what I'm saying? So that that and I don't think she knew that. I think that when they announced that, who was it? Trevor Lawrence? He's funny, by the way. He's hilarious. But when he announced that and I saw Beyonce's face, by the way, shout out to Meg Thee Stallion, too. She won uh, her Grammys as well. I'm saying. But, um, you know, um, I I saw a look of amazement like she didn't know. And she was kind of. Beyonce was kind of thrown aback because, you know, Beyonce now, I think she's at that celebrity status now where it's kind of like she doesn't want any attention at all unless she's performing. She doesn't want no attention. So like when the attention set on her, it's kind of like, okay, um, can we, can, can we not come on? Like, you know, like it's kind of like, it reminds me of Michael Jackson, you know, Michael's like, Oh no, stop. No, please. 
No. You know, it kind of reminds me of that. But I definitely want to put the crown on the head of Beyonce and her lovely daughter, Blue, uh, for the Grammy uh, for the Grammy Award winning uh, moment that they had just recently. So. Yeah, that was definitely, um, you know, you're talking about amazing and, um, you know, just a woman who is, who gets locked in and honing her craft. But the thing that I really loved about, you know, not only that, you know, Beyonce um, and her um, matching 28 nominations, but how her and her husband put their daughter on because guess what? It's called legacy. And guess what? That's exactly what our other counterparts always do. You're supposed to exploit every opportunity you can to stack the deck in the favor for your children. And yep, you gonna be on this. So Blue was on something with her dad. Blue was on something as you're supposed to. And those are the kinds of things that when Fred and Nas, you were talking about, that's the, how we get back to community and realizing there's enough for all of us because we've been sold a bill of goods to your point. Why? Because we've been told there's only enough for one, one black or brown man and one black or brown woman. And guess what? Some of us have really hooked on to that and believed it and went with it. And now where we're trying to get our way back because the pendulum is shifting. The pendulum is shifting. You're seeing black and brown men's, again, like record numbers, you know, with black and brown women, you know, talking about, listen, I don't care what happened with my, you know, sons and mother, my daughter's mother. I'm, I'm that, nope, you ain't got to call me because I'm there. I'm picking up, dropping off for school. I'm picking up and I'm doing it because I don't need nobody to tell me how I should be parenting you know, my child. So it really is, you know, for us to take a hard, long look to Fred's point at what we've done to exacerbate the things, but we didn't cause it clearly. And then the more that we know, the more we can do better. And James Baldwin said, when you have been, you know, told, you know, that you're nothing, when you've been told that you're less than, when you've been constantly pit it against one another. And when you've been told that you will not be able to take care of your families in the ways in which white men have, no wonder the black man is schizophrenic and he becomes an accomplice in his own murder. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that's, uh, I think we're going to end it there. I think that's a wrap. (laughs) We're going to end it there. Um, This was a great segment. This was a great conversation. We We tackled a lot. I didn't expect this to be that deep. I thought this was going to be fun and light. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. We all you know. that. <laughs> but um, I mean, the, these are the conversations that uh, I believe that we should be having. I, I hope that these are the conversations that are attracting the ears uh, of our audiences and, um, you know, that's what we have for, man. So, you that's know. That's what Simone said, another Black queen. She said, it is an artist's responsibility to reflect the times. And right. talking about those things that are impacting our communities, then how can yeah. we call ourselves educators and educators on the record? Hell, we can be on the record privately. That's called the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Tamara is a trip. <laughs> Yo, we signing out, man. <laughs> if you can't get right, you will get left. Right, Tamara? And that's on Mary Had a Little Lamb. <laughs> All right, y'all. I'm done. Bye. <laughs> Thanks.